Hello and welcome back to another episode of Less Than 10, an EVE Online small gang PvP podcast. Uh, you're listening to episode 28. This one, uh, we're, we got another good show. We're going to do like a major masterclass on bushing and bubbles. So kind of split the two from, you know, from dictors into one. Uh, and then we're going to have some good conversations today. I'm joined by Casper again, our co- my co-host. Say hi. What's up, guys? How are you doing? And then our guest tonight is Mystical Might from Goran Clade. Hey. This is where the uh, introduction comes in, because uh, in terms of what I've been up to or what I actually do in EVE, um, I'm basically just a small gang dork. I hang around with a bunch of guys in Goran Clade, but I've been all over EVE. I've done Nullsec with Skillu and IT Alliance at the very beginning. And I've done Faction Warfare with a number of different alliances, one of the most notable probably being DND. Uh, drunk and disorderly for those uh, who used to hang around the Cardari in Calente Warzone. I remember like when I first started Eve, I joined a Nullset group. Um, and I think I was in Delve. And I, I think it was IT Alliance that kicked us out. Does that ring a bell? Like back in like 2009 or 2010 or I don't know, maybe 2011, sometime around then? I would have to admit that the time that I was in IT Alliance was probably towards the beginning of my Eve career. So I was probably like 13 years old at the time. Um, so my memory of everything that came before it is not going to be the best in terms of you know um, what, what was going on at that time. I just remember that we were being invaded and eventually IT Alliance got kicked out of the space that I was living in for all of two weeks. And I ended up back in low sec to carry on with my factual warfare career at the time. It was so long ago. It's funny. It, like it, I can't really remember what happened then either. I just remember my first time losing a Tempest ratting in in Delve. I think it was in KTAC six. But uh, that other than that, I don't remember getting kicked out of the space or who it was or I don't know. I'm so much more disconnected from the game than than I am now. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we'll start with our show poll because uh, I did one of those again which every so often we do one. And uh, yeah, another good turnout. 79 people voted. And we asked everyone in Discord, what type of group or corp are you currently in? So we um, we had the, the one that I figured most people would be voting, and that's like an independent, small gang-specific corp. So these are corps that you know live all over the game, but they're solely focused on small gang. They don't have blues, all that kind of stuff. So like C2 Null Ecstatic Corps, uh, Furnace, the corp I'm in, we live in Thera. Other corps that live, you know, wherever, all they want to do is small gang. And then the other options were uh, real wormholers, not C2 and SS imposters, like these two gentlemen. <laughs> Low sec faction hey. warfare. <laughs> <laughs> uh, non block type soft holding entities, high sec block type soft holding entities, and low sec non faction warfare. So kind of running the gamut. And it was like half independent small gang specific corps. And then everything else was pretty even between five and eleven percent between like all all of them. So, you know, tons of small gangers in the Discord, and then a mixture of everyone, I guess, which is cool. It makes sense, yeah. It's less than ten Discord, so you know. Yeah, exactly. I, I really think that's the best 
roaming cloat areas there are now is out of C2s. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I've been digging Thera lately since uh, since Volta pieced out. Not as uh, many camps, and you can actually get through. I mean, we've we've like we're all U.S. time zones, so it was pretty quiet anyway. But like local spirit is a little less. Sorry, guys. <laughs> because uh, there were some us dudes that would always pipe up in local and i don't know it really it's no different to be honest i i've killed a few less uh rolling ships because really that was my whole interaction with them in us time zone is is like we'd go to run something and then i'd see some rollers there and we'd like frag a couple or and then leave before the the blob arrives but i've never lived in Thera. i think thankfully but maybe i don't i don't know just one thing i've never done there was definitely a golden era, I think, for Thera. And I think it differs depending on who you ask. But some of the small gang dorks that moved in first, I think, would say that the golden era was before Volta moved in. Um, but when we first moved in with Volta, I think it was like six months or a year after Thera had come out, um, we left Nullsec to move into Thera. And I think that was probably like one of the golden eras, really, when it was kind of unified across alliances yeah. and corps. Do you guys think the Eve Scout public bookmarks are a good thing or a bad thing for, for Thera as outsiders looking in? I like them because if I ever get lost, and if I ever go further than four jumps away, you know, like I know there's always going to be a way back and I don't have to learn how to probe. I think um, it's a good thing. Um, as someone who's lived there before and has since moved out to you know different areas of space, I don't think that it's necessarily a bad thing to have the public bookmarks provided by Eve Scout especially because the service they provided in the first place was a website that told you where the wormholes were. So all you had to do was take your own probe scanner there, which isn't really hard to do with the mobile depots and everything these days. So I think it's a nice change. Yeah, I'd agree. And uh, I mean, so like, I'll just kind of bridge this into story time, but Mm -hmm. I mean, we've been roaming now out of Thera for, we've been there for like three months, I want to say. And just recently, we started like actually recruiting some more people. So Furnace is a lot more active than it was. And, uh, you know, shout out to all the dudes that joined my former Kronos Ritual bros, Jocastus and Xavier, and picked up a couple of recruits like Ten and and, and Viri and, and uh, Zalorb. You guys are all super fun to fly with. So, but uh, it, the nice thing about there is just like how easy it is. Like it's, it's accessible small gang content like you can pop into low sec and have that like you know you can jump into a rifter and go to faction warfare space you all you'll pretty much always have a low sec static one of three to a, a war zone and then like typically you have a decent null sec and and it enhances filaments in a way because quite often you can just like land with your filament and if you don't like it you can be like all right where's the nearest there hole like we'll just roam there and then you're back home which which kind of like counters one of the bad points of filaments, which is like it's difficult to to get home. So I've been filamenting with like the same pod that I would uh, PvP with out of a, a C2 millsec static. So which I never really thought I would do, to be quite honest. Like uh, I thought it was too risky filamenting in snakes, but mm-hmm. and now I do it all the fucking time. So I don't know. It's working out for me with with there with that, but. Anyway, I think that the East Coast dudes are awesome. Like, it's amazing how accessible and easy it is. Yeah, one of the shames actually is that um, the East Scout guy Johnny, John Johnny, um, used to stream on Twitch, 
and I haven't seen him streaming recently, but I'm still subbed to him, so if he hears this, you better start fucking putting in some work because I'm paying for it. <laughs> nice. All right, but yeah, that's that's basically my story time is um, uh, I'm a director in Furnace, so we, we kind of hunkered down and decided to do a bit of recruiting and see if we can put a bit of a team together. Um, and everyone's super chill and really good. It's uh, It's pretty crazy, like pretty cool mix of people. I'm, I'm really enjoying it. I'm probably having more fun in Eve right now than I have in quite a while. So yeah, I, I think that uh, having fun, you know, in the last year, I definitely think that's a great, it's the most fun I've had outside of just pure AT, but Eve TQ specific this last year, year and a half has been probably my favorite ever in the, you know, since 2004, honestly. Yeah. Maybe it's just that I know what I'm doing now, finally ish question mark, Debatable. but yeah, exactly. <laughs> nice. But, yeah, I had a, I had some pretty good fights. Like just, uh, it was yesterday, the day before, I was doing with a courtmate, SMH, um, who's a really good pilot. He was flying a Tenement Phantasm, and I was flying a dual prop Scram Vagabond. Uh, copyright Feral 2020. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> so anyway, it was dual prop fit, which is a fit. Um, it's 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 not necessarily a standard Vagabond fit, but it's a fit that's been around for a while. It's pretty fun. Um, XLASB dual prop scram. And uh, it it's it's like not a super strong small gang ship, but like I wouldn't run it in in like three, four, five man gangs, but solo duo, it's kind of cool. Um, yeah, and we got a fight with, with these dudes. Uh, they brought like quite a bit of stuff. Um, like, and in the end, it was like against like eight, nine guys, and we, we ended up leaving. But we got some kills. It was mainly T1 cruisers. There's like Vexor, Rupture, Caracals, stuff like that. Um, there was like a Brutix, like a hull tanked uh, dual web scram Brutix. So pretty easy to avoid. But, uh, you know, if he got a hold of either one of us, we were dead. So I find like having a ship like that on grid is often makes the fight a little more exciting. Than a bunch of like long point caracals that you can just, you know, if you make mistakes against them, piloting mistakes, you you won't have a problem escaping. <laughs> True. Um, so yeah, it was it was interesting. Got some kills and got out, and they chased us, and we'd like go back into them and get a kill, and then run again, and they chase and bring more, and just one of those kind of yeah. This was fun. Do you guys have any uh, any stories from from recent gameplay? Uh, from, from gameplay, uh, not actually. Really, actually, that's not true. I was, you know, kind of late to a gang because I'm a ping warrior now, and I was just I sat down and I was kind of overhearing uh, all of the gang was fighting. We had like six guys on grid, I think, in legions, and they couldn't break. Like there was six scimitars or some nonsense, and so they're like, "Bring jams, bring jams." So I show up in a kitsune of all things because I was still pissed at CCP for not giving my Geno clone back. So I haven't purchased a new one yet, so I couldn't fly a rook. So hence why I grabbed a kitsune and put all Mimitar jammers on there. Showed up instantly. There was four semis jammed, and they started killing things. And I just giggled at how you know outrageous that actually was. That a little 60 mil ship just completely changed a whole fleet fight, and so. That's kind of my claim to flame the last uh, you know, three weeks or so. Um, two weeks ago was graduation season, so I was doing grad. And then last weekend, I was at the beach. And as soon as we're done with the podcast tonight, I have to go write a best man speech for this coming weekend. So Eve has kind of been on a little bit of a back burner for me. So not, not too many cool stories. Yeah, it's been on the back burner for a little longer than a few weeks, Casper. You <laughs> did ride up, your bike up, yeah. into the ground that one time. Let's not forget that. <laughs> 
Um, no, no shade here. <laughs> um, but interesting stories, I guess. Like, I haven't really been playing Eve too much, I suppose, um, compared to some of the people in Corp. Um, I guess it's because the, the type of things that we do generally are less interesting to me in some senses. I enjoyed the fleet fight aspect. Um, and more recently, I've been enjoying flying oppressive E-War. So I have a, a carries, for example, with a 96-kilometer point and triple damp. And I just love flying around and making sure to ruin other people's days, um, which I guess is one of the things I find fun. Um, and alongside that, I guess I've also been using the Bifrost alt quite a bit. So sometimes I don't even bring my main anymore. I just take uh, Sandro, my Bifrost alt, and go burn around the grid and see what's up and see what I can do to, to play around with it. But um, I don't know. I guess that's been the most interesting part, just using E-War and other mechanics than, uh, than damage recently. Nice. And uh, you keeners would put two and two together that... Uh... Misty just mentioned using his Bifrost alt, <laughs> and we're going to talk about Bushing later. So that's why he's here. Is Casper uh, basically said he's the best uh, Boucher well, in Gordon Slade. One of. There we go. <laughs> one of the best. <laughs> so uh, so yeah. So I mean, I I don't have a lot of Bushing knowledge. Like I know how it works, but not necessarily how to make those sick Bushing plays. I've done some. I've done some sphere fishing. I've done some like defensive Bushing. But before we get into the Bushing, we're going to talk about. I don't know. I, we couldn't like have an episode right now and not talk about this, right? Is the Zappy Boys? I think we so, should just quickly check it out. Yeah, yeah. We'll just go into it a little bit. Um, my initial thoughts are underwhelming. Like, so I just want to say this. There's like when this we when we first heard about this when there was that trailer, and they showed them. Uh, Blood and I made predictions, and I just want to say that I was right almost to the T. My prediction of of like a what it is chain lightning i think i even said within 10 kilometers i think nice. um blood's prediction that i said was dumb was was like a aoe e-war of some kind that's anti-triglavian and i oh, i told yeah. them that was dumb um so yeah i don't know blood i hope you listen to this uh, <laughs> as i know you're busy but uh i guess you owe me a beer at some point <laughs> so <laughs> so i mean these came out they were released, the, the details, they were on Sissy, and everyone initially kind of screamed how underwhelming they were, how low the DPS was, not only the like paper DPS, but also the application. So the way they apply is is the same way missiles apply, with like a, a an explosion velocity, and looking at that, which is like how, sh how fast the ship is moving, and then the signature radius is the other modifier with how, how it applies. So how big you are, how fast you're moving. Uh, same as missiles. And uh, they, they sh you, you shoot your zappy beam at your targeted ship, and then it will bounce to a total of four additional ships within 10 kilometers. There doesn't seem to be a priority on target uh, so far, right? I hadn't tested them. I just read this. So I think, Misty, you were doing some actual testing on the mechanics, right? Yeah, so there was a 5v5 scrim tournament practice thing that I went to go watch, and they happened to release these zappy boys on the same day. So I took the time to play around with the fits a little bit and see what the faction gun was like versus non-faction, uh, see what the cruiser was like, mostly because I think the cruiser's probably going to have the most application for small gang dorks, potentially, if you know the ship was good, which it isn't. But um, yeah, there is no priority. So if a ship puts out drones then it will not prioritize ships over drones. It won't 
prioritized by mass. It is purely random, it seems. So less effective, I guess, when you're fighting against a small group with a small group. Um, but with a large group, I guess, you're going to be hitting different targets, even if you shoot the same initial target. So I guess having drones at that point doesn't matter so much. And in a large fleet fight, it's hard to keep drones around yourself. So they become less of like a defensive barrier in, in those situations. But then, you know, the, the application problems that it was running into, it's incapable of killing frigates with the cruiser hull, for example. Like it just does nothing. It's okay for killing fighters, I guess, which is, I mean, you could use them to defang if you really wanted to. But then another thing that comes into question is the fact that it only jumps 10 kilometers from the initial target. So it doesn't chain beyond the 10 kilometer sphere from the, the first target you shoot. So it's not very much like the um, kind of arc generators that you get from the cute stars. It's just a weird AOE smart bomb, which you can use away from yourself. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree. Like, I mean, the only way I could see it being viable for for small gang is against like quite larger fleets, you know, with your small gang. But the pro the trouble is, is like it's pretty tough to exist as is against against those those bigger fleets where you could and and you wouldn't really be taking down ships. You'd just be causing chaos with the uh, with like logi broadcasts and stuff, basically, because plebs would like see their damage bar or their their health bar decreasing a little bit and broadcast and it you know i, I think that's maybe the, the where ccp was like coming from i yeah, don't know because the damage is so low it's it's like obscene i think that the ships could have application in a situation if they sorted it by mass so it jumped from the initial ship to the next like highest mass i suppose as opposed to just yeah. like a random target, because then all of your ships in a fleet will hit the same targets. So it prevents the enemy fleet from being able to pre-broadcast, you know, the next people that are going to get shot unless they bring specific ships for that purpose. Um, so you can start, you know, potentially killing stuff if you have enough critical mass to get through before, you know, people can lock up targets. Um, downside being anything that is good for a medium group or a small group to use against a large group is going to be used by a large group against said medium or small groups. Um, so I think if they get made viable, then all people would use them. You know, if they're able to competitively go up against immune fleet because they can kill more things at once than immune fleet, then why bring units, right? So it's, um, I think they're just a poor ship to really introduce because I don't see them doing much outside of breaking balance perhaps mm -hmm. yeah, if, if you got literally immune fleet of these that can kill five things you know we bring a five-man gang up to it currently we can kind of engage immunants with specialized ships but if they just you know chain and kill all of us in two volleys that's really gonna suck yeah yeah i mean they so they so they have an interesting uh bonus six percent shield resistance bonus which is makes them pretty tanky um, they have, like you mentioned, the fact difference between faction guns, and just in Pi-Fi, I noticed the the fitting on them is insane. Like the cruiser has so much CPU for for the the fit that I made, it was insane how much CPU it had left over. But I the PG is just ridiculous. Like you fit a prop, a gun, and a single shield extender, and you're over. So the biggest difference I noticed on the the faction gun to T2 was just the reduced fitting. Almost seems mandatory in in the fits I was playing with. I think it was also like a range factor as well. You get some slightly more range. And I mean, 
as as they are at the moment. Um, even with the damage increase, I think that might be coming out for them. I I think they'll be more of a pain in the ass for small gangers that bring things like kitsies or carries than it would be for any major fleets because you'll just get mm -hmm. cruisers sitting at 115, plinking away at you with a, a damage type that applies instantly and you can't mitigate at all unless you obviously damp him out because jams won't do anything at that point. You jam with the kits and you still get a hit. Um, the only upside to that is the application is pretty shit and it seems like they've gone for buffing damage instead of application, which is okay, I guess. You'll probably be getting hit for like 100 of volley maybe. But that's still a hundred of volley every five seconds, perhaps. So yeah. it's going to be really annoying for small guys to use, and I don't think it has much application for us at the moment. Yeah, it's fair. So anyway, before we wrap it up, we'll just say the names of them since everyone just calls them Zappy Boys. The names are pretty <laughs> kind of out there. So the frigate is the Skybreaker, the cruiser is the Stormbringer, and the battleship is the Thunder Child. Was there something uh, funny with the ammo? I remember yeah, the ammo names are like fucking bonkers. It's like uh, like Storm Surge and stuff. I don't even know. Like it's it's very similar to that. If if Storm Surge is not exactly one of them, but all right, let's move on into the meat of it. Unless you guys got anything else to add on uh, new ships? That's about all I got. Literally, all I did was ask Gadesh if this was going to hit my imp, and he said no, and I stopped carrying. So that's that's all it was. <laughs> nice. I mean, it will hit your imp, and if they have enough, it might volley it. So. <laughs> Mitchell application. I'm okay. <laughs> All right. So we'll get into the bushing and bubbles. We'll we'll start with bushing and then get into bubble plays after. Um so Casper, you just want to give us like a like a basic before we get into the details, like an overall intro to bushing, how it works. Uh what is a bush? So a bush is an AoE uh around your ship that will teleport you or blink you 100 kilometers, uh, anything that is not scrammed. So you can long point something and then push your boosh button and zap it uh, 100 kilometers away. Um, bubbles will come with you also. So there's an interesting uh, some gameplay there that can be done. Um, you can save people, say uh, people can get scrammed, and you can go in there and you can actually boosh away whatever is scramming, and you will stay there since you've been scrammed and free your friends that way, or you can uh, you can spearfish. Um, people have different definitions for spearfishing. I like to say it's out and back, but you can go kind of out and then further, and then people can warp there, but you know, I'm kind of lazy. I like to have people delivered back to me. So that's what I call spearfishing. <laughs> you know, just bring, bring some food to me, please. Um, uh, I guess mystical, Mr. Expert, what, what other, you know, uses or what did I miss in just the mechanics of bushing here? Well, I mean, okay, so bushing, I guess I wouldn't solely focus on the whole movement aspect, but also the ship itself. Okay. So, uh, yeah, bushing, like Casper said, is a micro jump field generator. You use that generator on a command destroyer, and it's the only ship that can fit the AOE jumping jump drive. Um, you use that, and everything within a 6k sphere is, is moved alongside you, uh, going in the same direction that you're facing. So they don't have to be facing in the same direction when you move them. They could be burning in the complete opposite direction, but they get moved 100 kilometers, and they'll carry on as if nothing had happened. They'll just be 100 kilometers away. Um, so that's kind of like the prime aspect of it. It's just a, a, a movement device um, that you can use on any array of things. So drones, fighters, 
um, other ships. You can't use them on caps, I think is also a caveat that I'd, I'd mention. Um, so caps are exempt from this, but um, most other things in the game are movable. Nice. And it, it's worth mentioning the, you, you already mentioned the scram. So like if you scram the command destroyer that is about to boosh, uh, it will completely cancel its boosh. Nobody will go anywhere. And if you and if you scram one of the ships that are in that six kilometer sphere, then um, they will remain in place. But the command that's destroyer will, will still carry on and anyone else that's not scrammed. That's correct. But I would also say you have to be scramming them at the end of the cycle, I believe. So if you put the scram on them just as they hit their button and your scram cycle time is like five seconds and the MJD cycle time is six or seven seconds, depending on skills, and you drop your scram, they're still going to disappear. So you have to scram them for the full duration of that spool up time. Which is unlike MJDs, right? Because like an MJD will, if you get a scram off a second into its cycle, um, and then like even leave scram range, it'll, it will not fire, right? I think MJDs still fire. And I think there's like a weird interaction where if the server doesn't think you'll be in range with your scram when the MJD goes off, it still goes off. Like sometimes I've had MJDs or people jump away from me even when they're scrammed because I'm outside of my scram range. Um, so that's another thing to keep in mind. I can't verify that for sure. It's just one of the weird interactions I've noticed. Yeah. So I've never had that happen stopping an MJD, but the other day I had it happen. Like there was a Bifrost at, at like 180 from us and I was in my snaked Mally. So I just was like, the rest of the grid was clear. They were trying to set up to come fight us and it was their link alt, right? So I just rammed them and I got a long point on him and then scrammed him. But since I was going so fast, I, I, and he like, he tried to boosh and I saw him start booshing threw my scram on, which is like heated 19 kilometer scram. And since I was going so fast, I didn't realize that there was like an end of scram cycle calculation for the boosh. I thought it was just like you scram them during the boosh and it's done. So I, I wasn't like super keen on controlling my my vector towards him to like not overshoot because i figured like oh he's fucked it's done but uh sure enough he he got away he he booshed away from me when we killed him like three minutes later when he warped down to the gang and tried to give them links but i don't know there's a new one for me i i didn't realize that it was uh at the end so i thought i just got played super hard and like you know i was just an idiot but uh, I, I didn't realize that it was at the end like you say yeah, it's a, it's a weird interaction, I guess, that isn't made too clear um, anywhere. Any, it's just like an experience type thing, right? So, yeah. So, I think most. So, let's talk about offensive bushing first. So, offensive bushing, we already mentioned spear fishing. Well, Casper did, which, uh, which uh, I'll just give a super brief overview, and then Misty can kind of tell some stories where where he's done some pretty heroic things, or maybe some specifics, some tips. So, the basics of spear fishing is. You have two command de destroyers, and you're either go or or more really, um, and you line them up with each other so that when the first boosh fires, like just after that, the second boosh will fire. So when I've done this in the past, we've like called it out on comms, like first boosh, and then like a, a, the next server tick, the next command to see will hit his, and depending on how your ships are orientated, for super easy, just like out, you know, 100 kilometers grab the ships, go another 100 kilometers, you could just keep it range on each other, or, well, keep it range on the first guy, and he then positions himself in a good you know, spot where he's going to land within that sphere, and then the second boosh will fire, and 
it'll take the original command SE and anything within the sphere 100 kilometers away. So you can do this off of structures when when people aren't tethered. You can do this um, this off of gangs. Like let's say there's a fight happening and you position some command SEs and you boosh some of the gang away from their bigger gang and then you just isolate them and kill them. Um, or you can do a Casper mess likes because he's lazy where <laughs> you're booshing into a gang and then or or an undock whatever and then bringing them back so in that case you'd have to just position the the boosters so that their vectors are the direction you want to go because that's the way the boost goes is the direction your ship is moving so that one's a little trickier i'd say it's probably a little harder to pull off but you know your gang doesn't have to warp to the ships it's the best kind. Uh, <laughs> right so I've done this like just off on docks, just securing kills, just grabbing ships, lining up, usually like one or two at a time. Um, yeah, it, it, it's it, it's definitely a content enabler. When they first came out, everyone was doing this because not everyone knew the mechanics yet or or even, you know, some people don't read patch notes and read these, see these new ships. So people thought they were just sitting on their undock and then all of a sudden they're 100 kilometers off. So So what's the, like, what's your favorite? Do you have a standout? Boosh play like to secure a kill, Misty. Um, trying to think. So, I mean, it happens a lot, but I wouldn't say that there's any super fantastic ones. I, I mean, from in my own personal opinion, of course. Um, that we've you've, we've used it a lot in many of the fights that we've been in. There was definitely one fight at a star. I don't really remember what system it was in anymore, but um, it was like a hour and a half long fight. They kept warping things in onto two faxes and we kept constantly booshing them off and like killing them a hundred kilometers away. And eventually there was a entire grid full of wrecks kind of leading up towards the fax because they'd keep burning into the fax to try and get reps right once they get booshed off. Um, so that's, I guess, one of the more memorable moments. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I just use it a lot. I use it most days now instead of my main, like I said. So there's a lot that I do with it, but not a lot of it is memorable, I suppose, for me. But that's like offensive stuff. Yeah, for sure. So that, that's a really good point because faxes are, I mean, it, like, and it is a small gang. It's really difficult to kill much of anything um, unless you're in a really heavy damage gang under fax reps. And even then, it's going to be like, you know, nothing bigger than a lightly tanked cruiser, really. And that's a really good way, like, really good method of of if you're going to fly into an area where you know they like to drop faxes, like bring some boosters and, you know, even 100 kilometers off the fax, that's, you know, their reps are severely diminished. Um, and if you can boost them 200 off, they're, you know, nothing. So uh, it's it's a really good tool in that sense to secure kills against faxes. And even against, like, against Hodreds too, right? Because it's pretty tough to exist within, like, you know, 50, 40, 30, whatever, yeah, 70. Uh, without a lot of right? Yeah, exactly. It's so like the type of gangs I'm always in. If like Tom, usually when a Hodred's on field, some of the ships will test it a little bit. And sometimes we die just trying to exist because we're so thirsty for fights. Um, but it's pretty tough. And with a boosher, you could like draw them off the Hodred a little bit and then, you know, boost them way off and then hard tackle and kill it, stuff like that. So there's plays you can make. It's definitely like a content enabler or a kill enabler, right? 
I just want to add on to the mystical story about with the, the faxes that just had wrecks strewn all over the grid. If it's the same fact I'm thinking of, maybe it's a different grid, but we would bush some stuff off and then a new maybe carrier group plus fax would come in. And so we'd boost stuff off of that and keep bubbles on the previous one. And by the end of that fight, there was like six or seven different groups of a couple carriers and a fax that we would just keep bubbled with alts and just keep moving the grid around. Um, but you know, on the on the far side of that, a bush can be a double-edged sword. Um, we have some rather wow words, rather well-known players that have royally effed up bushes, and that can actually just completely get your gang killed if you know you bush something that shouldn't be, like maybe a Balgorn onto you, or you bush your own fleet all apart, or do you know? There's some some really royally big fuckups that can happen with bushing, also. Right, because it's a hundred kilometer range, right? So it's a non-warpable range. It, it can mm -hmm. really fuck up your gang. Um, or or <laughs> sometimes I, what, what's happened to me is I've seen gangs trying to boosh me and uh, I'll just like watch the boosh come in, especially if you pre-lock, you can always scram them to stop it. And if they're just going to be me and them, like I'll just let myself get booshed and then hard tackle it and wreck it. I remember I did that in a Megathron, in like a scram web Megathron. Mm -hmm. Just like watching him like, okay, here he comes. He's going to boost me off gate. And then I just obliterated him 100 kilometers off while his gang watches. And then I whooped off. It's like, <laughs> it's pretty funny. So Mystical, do you have any uh, any tips or what, what do you actually look for if you're going for a boost? I mean, do you have like kilometers like already kind of pre-memorized in your head or you just kind of go by the feel of your pants or any tips for the new guys or even tips about how you fit them kind of? That, that route? So I guess on the whole, how do I go about bushing, like in terms of memorizing ranges? The ranges that I have differ, um, mainly because I'll either have links, so I'll be going at four and a bit kilometers a second in the Bifrost, or I won't have links and I'll go like 3.3 kilometers a second in the Bifrost. And depending on how fast I'm going and how far away from the tug I am, that's going to dictate like when I hit that button. So I guess the the thing that I would suggest to people is that you don't need to be at max range and have like the full burn-in to actually MJD your targets. And in fact, I would recommend against ever burning for more than like five or 10 seconds at the target that you're going to try and boost, especially if it's against a fleet, because it's a complete waste of time and it gives them enough time to lock you up and prevent you from actually boosting when you do try. Um, so it's it's something that I rarely do. I think most times my fleet will see me burning around, you know, a thousand kilometers away because I'm making bookmarks and looking for angles that I can warp in on that will put me right next to the fleet or put me within range where I can like hit my AB and hit my um, MJD to, to get a few at the back. Um, I prioritize warping more than I do burning if it's against an actual fleet and I'll do burning and things like that if it's against like one or two guys because typically if they aggress, they die anyway because it's off a gate or something like that. Um, when it comes to ranges then, so if I jump through a gate, I'm 12 kilometers from the target who's sitting on the gate at that time trying to degress or thinking about jumping through, you're not going to have time to think, you know, okay, when do I need to hit my button? You know, what speed do I need to be going at when I hit this button to get him? It's more a case of going off a of feel and kind of like experience. You'll know the acceleration of your ship if you fly around with it quite a bit. So just fly around, um, try burning back and 
away from the gate and see how fast a ship speeds up. And when you hit certain points, like one, two, three kilometers, because that will give you an idea of what, how early you need to hit that button and how far you can go in one micro drive cycle, uh, which I think is a key point. You just need to know more about your ship, I guess, that you would get from experience than you would from just looking at stats, because stats is never going to cut it for MJDs, I think, in terms of how you can use them and what to do with them. Um, but you, you asked a few questions, and I realize my <laughs> fucking Eve client DC'd, so I lost all of the little notes I made around spearfishing and stuff. Um, so what was the other question on like get feel and MJDs that you asked now? Because I have a few things on the spearfishing to mention as well afterwards. Um, I asked about fits. Uh, I don't know if you want to think about that currently. Um, I am going to ask, so you maybe lead up to this. I'm going to ask about, you know, in a when you're blues, friendlies, whatever, if me and four guys are in a fleet fight, what kind of things are you looking for to help us out when you're off doing your own thing with your, your Sandro? Sure. Um, okay, so fit-wise, anyone can look at my kill board and see a bunch of losses at this point because MJDs do die. It's just something that happens, especially if you fail to notice like a frigate that whoops in. Just before you go for it, you get scrammed, you die, whatever. Or sometimes you jump the fleet and they don't take kindly to it, so they kill you. All right. Uh, most times you will be able to get away, by the way. Um, and another thing I didn't mention before is when you do go for a boosh, don't hit your prop mod. If you're within six kilometers from them already, don't prop mod. Because the MJD blooms your SIG, it makes you a bigger target, so you are it's easier to lock you quickly. It makes the, the lock time speed up. And if you hit your micro drive as well, that's going to add an extra SIG bloom, um, increase your signature, which will make it even easier to lock you. So they will be able to lock you before the cycle um, completes. So the fit that I go with is triple prop. It has an AB, 1MN. It has a micro drive, 5MN. And it has the mobile jump drive. Uh, alongside that, I also have three links because links help. One of the links increases your speed and one of the links reduces your SIG, both of which are really useful for you know, staying alive um, and completing your MJD um, cycles because uh, it takes longer to lock you if you have a smaller SIG. And the AB doesn't bloom your SIG, so you'll be able to move around at 1.4 kilometers a second without it being easier to lock you. So that offers you maneuverability and it means that you can survive if you get scrammed. Um, alongside all of that, I also have a scram and a shield extender. The scram because it allows me to control what I take with me, which is useful for some of the friendly MJD plays that we do, which we can go into, I guess, in a little bit more detail later. Mm -hmm. um, and the shield extender because, hey, I'm, I'm trying to live here. I'm not trying to <laughs> suicide every time. So that gives me a bit of tank, and it means I can, ta I can tackle the things I jump for a little bit while my fleet burns in because you can't always jump towards your fleet. And sometimes you don't want to, especially if it's something like a Balgorn, you want to jump it perhaps 70k away so it doesn't have the ability to lock down your teammates. You might be 50k from the fleet and 50k from the Balgorn. Um, it gives your team maneuverability, which I think is a key point. Um, okay, the other question that you had was um, something. What, what are you looking for in, in like the middle of the fleet fight to either cause chaos or what things are you looking for that you're like, oh, hey, ding, ding, I can go do that and it will help. So I guess in a fleet fight with Sandro, I will either be approaching an e-warship and providing links since they're going to be one of the major kind of ships to benefit from having increased tackle range or reduced signature, or I will be burning Sandro off in a type of burning ping slash 
um, sphere. So I'll burn around a fight, and I'll be looking for wrecks. So in any fight where they have a fleet, and we're trying to plank away at them, and we're like, oh, we need some MGD players to get them away from a fax, or get them away from their lodgy and separate their lodgy a bit. Um, I'll look for wrecks of any frigates that we've killed or any cruisers that we've killed up until that point. Um, and I will look at the wreck. And I'll look at where my ship is, the little bracket in space, compared to where their fleet is and where they're moving. And I will burn so that they are in between me and the wreck directly. And then I'll look at the ranges of the wreck versus their fleet to me. And I'll decide what my warping range will be to take some of their ships away. Um, if they aren't directly in line with me at that time, I'll be making bookmarks so that I will have the option to warp quickly to a bookmark and then down to a wreck. And then I can either do the micro drive play and try and get something off, or I can just land next to them and, and jump them off without having any risk whatsoever to myself, provided there's no tackle ships. Um, and I guess that kind of leads into the other points, which is looking at their ships and trying to understand what they have. So Dictors... Um, are annoying because they can put bubbles up, which will drag me out of position if I try to warp in. So sometimes I have to play around bubbles. So you have to look for other warpable objects and angles to get behind the bubble if, they, if they're sitting behind one, or to get as close to them in the bubble if they're sitting in one, because you're landing perhaps like 5 or 6k from them sometimes if you warp to the right edge. So that's something to look for. And frigates. So frigates probably won't take a liking to you. They don't have enough range to do much to enemy fleets if they're sitting beyond you know, 10, 20k. So they're not going to be doing much besides orbiting their anchor and trying to figure out what to shoot. Their target's going to be you, because you move into range. Um, they can stop your micro drive. They can stop your MJD. Uh, they can effectively get you killed, which is something you try to avoid. Which is why I think that angles and the warpings are more important, because most people don't pay attention to that. They might be looking at what's happening on grid and might be looking for targets burning into them so that they, that they can tackle. They may not be prepared for somebody to warp directly into the middle of their fleet and hit a button. Um, and by the time they realize what's happening and try to counter that, oftentimes you've managed to jump part of the fleet away and you know the frigate's probably not going to get taken with you because it moves quite quickly. Um, it's probably you know going to get left behind, which allows you to get away afterwards. The last thing that I look for in an enemy fleet is going to be Hicks or heavy interdiction cruisers because their long point is able to stop MJDs. So they don't have to have the scram script enabled. They can point you at, you know, was it like 35 kilometers, 39? And it stops you from MJDing. The upside when it comes to Hicks is that they typically can't lock fast enough, but in events where they can, recently I've been flying a carries, so I just scan and stamp them and they can't, <laughs> right? So that's, that's cheating. Well, it's it's about interactions, right? You have to think yeah, about okay. what you have versus what they have. Um, scan res damps are great, because if there is a ship that can stop you, scan res damp, um, and then they can't. Um, or I guess you can lock range damp if you're trying to burn in, but they'll be able to lock you before you can get your MGD off. So um, that's yeah one of the pairings that I kind of think of with MGDs. Do you mind if I just loop back to the spearfishing for a Yeah, no, for a please. Like, yeah, this sure. is so an essay of an answer, and I love it. Yeah, so spearfishing, like you said, is chaining MJDs. But I guess one of the things we didn't talk about before is um, the old fleet concepts that, that were had around MJD design. So you had 
the stukas from Inet, for example, which were bombers and kikis, um, where they would sit on top of you know, 20, 25 bushes, and they would chain their bushes in sequence so that they could move away from hostile fleets and apply their damage quite effectively. And it allowed them to line up some really good bombing runs, uh, allowed them to third party any type of fight that they wanted to because the ships they were going up against weren't able to get back at them, I suppose, with um, with their damage, right? Because it's a hit and run tactic. You also had MJD Eagles back in the Skidisoft days, which allowed a fleet of 100 and something guys, more like 50 or 60 actual real guys, but taking into account multi-boxing, um, to go up against people of like 600, 600 800 man fleets. Uh, because again, you're able to dictate range, stay out of the range of anything that can actually contest you, and you can apply your damage quite effectively. Now, CCPs changed this mechanic, so you can no longer chain an entire fleet together. Instead, I think you're limited to 25 different targets um, that get taken along with your bush. So it's still useful to know the limit because when you go for a bush on a big fleet that may have 30 or 40 people, some people can get left behind. And sometimes it's more about the people that get left behind than it is the people that you take with you. So if you go for a bush on a 35-man fleet, you take 25, you leave 10 behind. Those 10 are easy to hit. Um, as opposed to the 25 that you take with you. So it's another way to move enemy fleets around within the limits of the MGD drive itself. But the spearfishing, which is chaining MJDs offensively, can also be used for things like fighters. So I'm not sure if fighters are limited by the number of ships that you can take. I'm not sure if it's ships or models, like 25 fighter units or 25 yeah, ships. But in the old days, you could set up a citadel off like a keep star, you know, a thousand kilometers away, right? And moving heavy fighters down would take forever. But if you chain 10 MJDs, you could take an entire super fleet's worth of fighters down to the keep star in like 10 seconds. So there were a number of different ways that you can use boosters with other EVE assets like fighters, like bubbles, um, like other ships, I suppose, as well. And bombs are one of those too, right? I mean, it's yes, a pretty ridiculous yeah. play, but you could you could try in theory to like shoot bombs at a boosher and then boosh like a suicide bomber and <laughs> just like boosh all those a couple hundred or a hundred kilometers or more. Yeah, into yeah. you can fleet. you can boosh bombs for sure. Um, that's trickier to do because it requires setup and they can see it coming. Um, yeah, for sure. But I think people have tried it before or it's been done before. Um, that's definitely one thing. Another thing is damage. So you can boost drones, of course, but you can also, also boost missiles. So it's very rare that it's useful, but there are times where I have boosted um, people away from friendlies and I've taken like a, a couple sets of missiles away as well at the time. It's a good way of reducing damage and also getting rid of tackle from friendly targets um, when you go for those friendly kind of bushes to, to save people, which has happened, um, I wouldn't say not so frequently, but I wouldn't say frequently in Gorin. Um, I do try <laughs> and make those plays where people get tackled. Uh, who was the uh, last person you tried to uh, bush free? Uh, that would be Casper24, <laughs> who got tackled in a nightmare by a bunch of frigates. And as I lined up the bush and was about to go for it, they uh, decided to let him go. So instead, actually, the most recent person was technically Cash, because he was failing to turn in his low key when he was trying to whoop off. So I was going to bush him away to give him more time. 
but uh, he completed his warp just as I just I got into range. So um, yeah, I can't remember the other notes that I had on spearfishing because I've lost those because the Eve client disconnected. I'm just trying to think about any other things. If it comes to me, I'll let you know. But yeah, yeah. Any, Say, any I, I got a question for you. Do you have a favorite? You know, maybe somebody saved your ass, Boosh, or a favorite Boosh that you did. Um. Okay. So my favorite, my the most fun Bushes I've done weren't necessarily saving. They were they were spear fishing, and that was uh, one night um, when when we were living in Venal. Uh, the 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 fue, the Fuegan guys had a, a Venal hole, so they came out, and we we had a quick fight, and then we decided to go up one of the ratting pipes and just kill things together. And I was flying a Draugr, so you know pretty blingy like not the best ship to <laughs> to do spear fishing with because as misty mentioned like these things die and uh and me and adam were spear fishing and he with his with his bat with his bifrost alt but uh it was just entertaining like uh using a main box ship like a like a drugger and i didn't die we we, we got like four or five runs and got kills every time pushing things off of this is a very rare situation. It's going to feel nostalgic for people, but pushing people off an NPC station. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Right. So, so that was pretty cool. It like, it definitely was like a little nostalgic and, and also fun and had some comedic value with the fact that I was in a Draugr. So. I think that's sounds cool. Draugr is the best ship in the game, by the way. Wrong. Just saying. So yeah, absolutely wrong. Yeah. Like I, okay. So I like flying the Draugr. It is fun. But I don't think it is like it's fucking hard. It's a difficult ship to fly. Well, and that's only because the damage range is so short and the consequence. Like you do, you don't do a lot of damage at, at low spool. No, you um, got to sit at like twenty-two kilometers or something at really fast, and the risk versus reward is is actually very yeah. low. But it is a fun ship to fly. Like it, it's manly as fuck to fly, in my opinion. But anyway, you hear that, Misty? I am manly as fuck. Just, just, just remember that. <laughs> you, you fly the yeah, drug. Just because you, you're sitting. Do you actually know what Casper does with the drug? Listen, I yeah, have many kills. If you look at Z kill, I think, I hope, I'm still on the top there. Because I was flying like the manly no plate nano and tropic. Yeah. yeah. Do you know with what an Casper officer does? Gun? Yeah. Do you know what Casper does? Right. It's a case yeah. of oh, we're on grid. With a fleet, there's a hostile fleet there, and someone says, "Oh, we need bushes," and everyone turns their head towards Casper, who's sitting 100 kilometers away, because he doesn't <laughs> get into range. And doesn't for do the bushers to come to me. You know, I have the damage for when they boost people here. You need heavy. Casper basically waits for frigates uh, and then the, fails to get into range before they die. It's the big brain play where you're waiting for them to boost some like one of your fleet off, and then you're just going to counter boost right back in, into perfect position. Right? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. <laughs> See, look at there uh, in the in the chat. I am still yeah. number five, top all time with the Draugr. Thank you. Dexter is ahead of you by almost five hundred kills, and he Dexter like sits on the computer for too many hours. There's some there's some good names there. Like we're looking at the the Z kill top ten Draugr, and my homie WebDriver is there at number eight, and I, I'm pretty sure like two thirds of his four hundred and thirty one kills are Tech threes in wormhole space, which That's is cool. That was just pretty impressive. Like he was on the show a while ago. So web driver, uh, wild things, solid dude. You guys know Wild, right? He flew pretty well. Yeah, and uh, Wild was also on the show. And then Tin, Tin's from um, uh, Strix, right? 
I do not know. Yeah, he is. Pretty sure Tin is from Strix. I wonder what kind of drugger he's flying. I bet you he flies it like a little, like, I bet you he flies it manlier than you can. <laughs> hey, listen, yes. I, I know oh what you were about to say there, sir. Uh-huh. Nice. Oh, but I do have a story that, you know, when Bushin first came out and I still had uh, the original Maracha rip, uh, there's a guy named Duvia who I think, Mystical, you know him pretty well. Uh, yep. He actually saved my Maracha. I was dead to right. There was an Inyo on top of me at zero. I couldn't track him. I was just, you know, slowly dying. And Thubia, you know, warps in, bushes that stupid thing away, and I warp off and <clears throat> cleaned my pants and my computer chair and was good to go. So I am a big fan of uh, defensive bushing to save my ass. Thank you. Was was it just the Enyo? It was just a freaking solo Enyo. <laughs> Okay, so whatever like <laughs> joy you felt and relief you felt from having that ship saved, that dude felt like twice that enough <sighs> feeling of of like I'd be so upset if I was about to get a solo kill dude, in an Enyo on a Maracha. You know, I was just an idiot in low sex, sitting exactly a hundred off the gate because he said something was about to jump through. So I was gonna sit there and do some couple snipes as you know the big bossy player I am. And an Inyo warps in a hundred to the gate right on top of me, and I was ah, dead. Oof. Is this the same day that you also got tackled like off a of plex by um, the uh, I can't remember was it Fate at the time uh, that I popped up in comms and said let me go that one yeah 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 that the one was that probably I was the out. same day yeah I was out at the time and I came back to hear they let you go and I was upset to say the ah. least. <laughs> That that Maracha definitely had some some fun yeah. times. Well, when you were on as a guest a while ago with Wild, you told the story about a carries, I think, right? Like something was damping you. you <laughs> yeah. walk it. it had like it had like a I don't know. Did it? Were you scrammed? By I the was long scrammed and yeah. all the damp, so I couldn't even lock him to get the scram off or shoot him or yeah. do anything. And yeah, I had to go wake my roommate up to come get me, and he warps in a chameleon. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. That that Maracha definitely had stories to tell. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, so that's like we. I guess we can. We're kind of getting into the defensive side, um, more like with these little stories now of pushing off. Mm-hmm. But what's like so mystical? What's your what's your biggest save story if you have one where like you you saved a, something crazy? Uh, honestly, I don't really remember like the actual things that I've saved. I know that I have saved quite a few people now with the ladies. I just don't recall. Yeah. I mean, Casper, I think I've saved you once or twice. I've saved other people. At least twice. Yeah. I've saved other people and you've asked like, Oh, did you record that? Cause it was like a good boosh, but I don't remember (laughs) what they were. I guess it's, it's less meaningful for me when I'm not the one dying. Um, (laughs) So I'm sure that there are many. Um, but it's more, I guess, you'd have to ask the people that were saved as opposed to me. Right. So uh, this is, so. like, let's be real. Bushing is pretty difficult. Like, yep. pulling off these plays, they're big plays. They're not just, like, routine things. So what? What? what's your kind of hit percent? Like, you line up a boosh overall. Like, you make a play. You hit that button. Are you getting your desired outcome half the time, three-quarter of the time? Like, roughly. Um, I don't want to be, um, 
I mean, you're yeah. here because Casper said you're really good at it. So, so yeah. yeah. So Casper's already tooted your horn. So what is it? I mean, I'd say I still fuck up. So I still miss my MJDs every now and then because I miscalculate where I am. Because the overview, for example, doesn't update instantly. So I might boosh because I think I'm a bit further than I am, and then I miss it by a few kilometers. It happens. Um, I'd say I probably hit most of the bushes I do now because I actually go for bushes that will work as opposed to Hail Marys. Um, and if I see a ship, then I'll play around it as opposed to burning into it. So I guess <laughs> it's, uh, well, as has happened before against conifers. Um, like, okay, for for example, just just quick kind of um, divergence here. We were up against conifers, which is one of using facts and using... Um, you know, battleships and shit like that. And I pointed out that they have like a hick, two hicks actually, two devoters, and that we would need, you know, damps and to, to kind of spearfish to try and get things off properly before we get scrammed. And then one of our guys warps in and just burns straight at them from like 40 kilometers and dies. Um, so there's like a clear difference, I think, in how much people pay attention with their bushes. Um, they are very vulnerable. Um, but yeah. I, I kind of forgot the original question here, but um, yeah, they are they are difficult. Yes, yeah, and I would say probably like ninety percent, maybe more. I'm not sure, Casper. If you've you've seen me fuck up once or twice, I think, but you've hit you see me hit more than I've lost. Yep. Honestly, I think I've seen him only miss maybe two. He's very careful about when he goes for him, as you just said. So maybe he's just a pansy and you know only does it when a hip chance is high. But also, I know how many people he saved, and he's pretty damn good at them. Nice. And the, the last thing before we get off bushing is I want to talk about fits. So I mentioned I was flying a Draugr, which is a ship that's not like it's not set up to boosh really like it can do it, but it, it, it's there for other things as well. Do you typically fly ships like are you flying like a triple rep? We, we kind of mentioned or triple triple link Bifrost like you mentioned what you do with the rest of your fit. But is it is it that triple link fit and you kind of give links as well? basically a backpack or are you using or have you used like something that's also viable for a little bit of anti-tackle as well or, or something like that so depends when we're talking so when they first came out TikTok and i fit up some like missile launcher kiting by frost to use as a duo for pvping and at that point we would you know do damage we i th didn't i think we didn't even have links at that point maybe we had like one link each and we would just like fuck around and, and kite in factual warfare, boost people off because no one understood what the mechanic was at the time. So they basically saw a destroyer that suddenly jumped 100k and also did damage and also went 5k a second with snakes and pointed out to like 45 or some shit. So it was very impressive at the time. Nowadays, it's more an alt thing. So I trained my alt into links. So it's a triple, triple link, triple skirmish link by Frost that follows my main ship around if it's on grid. And it gives links up until I need it to go do something else. And depending on the fleet that we're against, sometimes I'll have my Bifrost burn off so that I can make those bookmarks or look for proper warpins. Or sometimes I'll have them, I'll have it follow someone else that's a little bit closer, or at least keep range on someone that's a little bit closer so that I can boost them if they need it. So it's very weird. I guess I would play mostly with the Bifrost tune with my main on grid because the Bifrost needs to be positioned better than my main does. Mm -hmm. And it's much easier to keep a main in like a carries, um, you know, 100k away pointing things. 
and keep the Bifrost closer so that I can actually use it for something else. Is there like a, a story time, by the way, for favorite bushes for me? Or have we already passed that? Because I just remember. Uh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's get go. into it now. Yeah, go for it. Um, no, it was, um, so it, it's not so much the bush itself, but more the whole scenario. We were pointing something on a gate. It was like a Praxis, I think. And I was in my carries, right? So 100k point. So it MJDs and it ends up still pointed 100k away. And then I burn my Bifrost back over to him after Scanrans damping him and boost him straight back into the fleet that he just jumped away from. And I just think about how range-inducing it must be to MJD away, still be pointed, and get MJD back and feed. Um, I think that's probably one of my favorite moments recently, more just because of how annoying it must have been than, than anything amazing. But um, yeah, that, that's probably the one so, that just came So to you're mind. one of those that takes pleasure in, in thinking how your opponent feels, huh? And I also take... Great sadness knowing that someone feels good if they kill me. Yes. Okay. So it happens rarely. I know we're, we're you know, dragging the subject along, but just a super quick question for you, Mystical. Why only Bifrost? I know at least us as a gang, we run tons of armor fits. Armor has smaller SIG, maybe easier to rep if we're in like an armor fleet. Like why, why only Bifrost? Why not, you know, the, the, the other things? Um, mostly because Bifrost, I think, uh, the most flexible. So Maguses and Pontifexes are great in the sense that they can stay with the fleet and do stuff, and they can boost the fleet if needs be, and they're quite tanky, so they're survivable. But again, with boosting, I don't want to be taking damage necessarily for too long. So I can complete a boost and overheat my micro drive away, going 6k a second almost, with length and overheat and no implants, and get out before it becomes a problem and I start needing reps. Um, so I would say having the Bifrost, in this personal preference, it doesn't matter which one you use, because um, you just change how you fly depending on the on the hull you're using, like in terms of speed and stuff. Um, but with the Bifrost, I can just burn it away. And it's fast enough that I can set up pings on grid in the moment um, and make those plays. And I don't think Omegas or Pontifex could do that. And a Stork definitely can't. Fair. So it's just about survivability and, and its agility, honestly. Yeah, and also I'm not buying these ships. And, yeah, so. and the corp pays for them. That's a small benefit. Yep, true. But I, I make up for it by saving people. So True. You did save. I think I remember the one, my favorite save of yours on mine. It was that 12-bill scimitar that later died to CCP. But you definitely saved me once. Oh, yep. And yeah. actually, speaking of Logi, I remember we were trying to burn away in 100 men ships because we were getting blobbed and we jumped a gate. And I remember boosting one of our ships out of the bubble when it was surrounded by an enemy fleet. Um, but the other one unfortunately died because you can only boost one target at a time if they're not next to each other. But yeah, um, yeah I mean, those are all like use cases, I suppose. Isk saved. True. That's an interesting one, just free Bifrost. <laughs> hey, maybe, you know. Maybe we'll have to start spending some of, some of the Furnace Corp wallet on, on boosters. Well,. And- <laughs> it's not free because everything there's like a kind yeah. of communist setup you drop your loot in the hangar and then the corp provides but um i think not having to pay for it out of wallet allows you to do riskier stuff or sacrifice the ship for other people yeah um, for sure them from having to right i think that's a good model it's it, like we've been this is off topic kind of but we've been doing something similar where like uh when we're doing roams 
if somebody loses something and then we get some loot, we just give it to them, like which is almost like communism in a way. But uh, yeah, we I, I mean we also have those free ships that we just keep in the hangar and people can take, and if they lose them, it's whatever. Yeah, I was massively for that back in the Thera Volta days. Like it used to be, um, if you tackle something and nobody dies, you get the loot. If you tackle something and you get somebody killed, then you give them part of the loot to make up for that loss and you keep the rest. Yeah, um, exactly. It used to have like a good model because it, it encourages people to turn up and it also means that it rewards the people that actually go and tackle stuff and they take a great yeah. effort making sure people don't get killed. It builds team like a, a team feeling too, right? Where, where it's like, oh yeah, that sucks. You lost your ship. Like, you know, even if they made a mistake, unless it's like a terrible mistake. But most of the people I fly with are, are like pretty skilled. So usually people aren't making terrible mistakes. I mean, sometimes they are, but whatever. <laughs> you know, it's just nice. To, it's just nice to share, like, feel like the team did something. And, you know, I don't know. I, I'm a, I'm a loser that way. <laughs> but let's get into bubbles. So the other side, we're going to stick with, um, like, say, with uh, Dictor bubbles, not get into Hex because kind of destroyer support ships mm -hmm. is, is the theme here. So I'll go ahead and just give the basic overview of it again. So um, bubbles, when people talk about bubbles, what they're from from interdictors anyway, what they're referring to is uh, is the interdictor class of destroyers, which are Tech Two destroyers. They can fit a high slot module uh, called called an interdiction sphere launcher, I believe it is, and you can load uh, a charge into that three at a time, um, which essentially launches a bubble. Uh, a 15 it's 15 kilometers right max skill is that right um 18 maybe i can't remember exactly it's roughly that it's it's yeah i think it's i think you're right 18 it's not big enough that if you're like at zero on a gate that you'll cover every possible spawn spot basically because the way the gates are like mm -hmm. you can be at zero on two sides of the gate a few thousand meters apart That's so anyway okay, sorry the disruption range actually 20 so yeah. it it launches it right at zero on the ship where it is it doesn't launch it away from the ship it just that's where it is and if you're inside that bubble you can't warp off um if you have warp core stabs doesn't matter what your strength is you can't warp off in that bubble so you have to leave the bubble and then warp um so that's like the super cut and cut and dry example of or, or mechanic behind it um, these are really popular fit to sabers are the most common interdictors. Quite often you'll see them with hyperspatial rigs and cloaks. And uh, what they're kind of doing is they, they're really good for tackling capitals because they can uh, drop cloak, get a bubble down, and then cloak back up and stay like, you know, 15, 20 off the capital. And then before the bubble expires, they'll like decloak and burn off and drop a bubble and try and warp off. Since they have a cloak reactivation delay, they they won't have time, and then they can warp back down and cloak again, and then that's like the the standard way uh, nullsec groups kind of tackle capitals with sabers, um, and you can use those same kind of fits in your small gang to tackle things to to scout gates. Like I've seen people do that in small gang where they'll just like you know leave their saber like a, a jump back or something like that, and and cloak and and watch and scout. Or you'll see people camping pipes with cloaky sabers where they'll just sit at a ping above the gate and they'll scout the systems around them. And when they see something uh, jump into their system that they want to kill, they'll warp down to a bookmark that is in line with the gate. 
put a bubble up and then it will bring them in a warp. So that's the other part of bubbles is they don't only stop you from warping out of them, but they will stop you from uh, reaching your intended warp target. So let's say you warp to a gate. As long as there is a bubble, if there is a bubble on grid with the with your gate, um, and in line with your like warp vector, you will pull or stop in, in that bubble, depending on if it's you know even if it's after your intended target, the gate, it'll pull you the additional distance to the edge of that bubble. If it's can I? Yeah, absolutely. Add? Sure. So, I mean, it's it's not so much on grid, just as a kind of um, refining point. It's within 500 kilometers of the target. So I think that's 500 kilometers from the probe itself and not the edge. But I could be wrong. Um, so I don't think you can put like a warp disruption probe at 510 and still drag. I yeah, that's a good point. Because there's um, a trick so people do with that too, where they'll anchor so that you'll land inside another bubble, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and um, and that's could... just kind of exploiting that 500 kilometer mechanic. Yeah, for sure. And so that's like the basics of it. Um, uh, it's kind of how they're used in the in the the basic way. But I mean, I don't know about you guys, but some of the guys I've been flying with recently have been really liking flying with with like fly catchers. And even I've seen heretics where they're using them with damage and and everything like a normal nano ship. I mean, they they're not the most survivable thing. But more like more so to use as kind of to, to deny fleets from warping in. Um, so quite often we'll see you guys you guys will know this where there's a fight on a gate and like the fleet is on a structure nearby that you can see. So it's it's pretty easy to just like fly in that direction and drop a bubble and kind of deny them warping in or or from a ping. It's going to force them to bounce around. Um, and you can just kind of cause chaos like that. I don't know. Do you guys? Does anyone in Goran do that? I know. It's, yeah, for yeah. for sure. Like especially say you know I'm thinking more. Hey, we just got you know it used to be Oracles, but pretty much any capital tackled. Literally the first couple things that are said is all right. Do we need to sign on Hib? This is our line out point. It'll be spoken, and then stop bubbles here where we think defensive stuff, faxes, uh, new signos coming in, whatever we're going to call a stop bubble here. And that's kind of cool that you guys are doing heretics and flycatchers. We are really not. We just have alts. I pretty much everybody has a saber or backpack alt now, except for me. But anyway, um, and they'll just be like, all right, so these are the three things we do. A lineup point here. Do we need sign on hip stop bubbles here? And it's just kind of mandatory to control the grid or a pull bubble, whichever. And it, it's really, really good for stopping faxes, you know, controlling where the response fleet is going to come and just controlling the grid that way. Yeah. Uh, Mr. Glenn, any that? other things that I might have missed there? In terms of what we do? What we uh, do with our, our Saber alts? Yeah, just trying to think. I guess you've also got the whole trying to stop fleets from chasing as well when we're leaving. So if we're in bigger ships and you wait for everybody to activate warp and then you put a bubble down on gate. So if they chase, they have to burn 18, 20 kilometers before they can like jump through to the next system. And then you drop a bubble on the other side. So it's another 18, 20 kilometers um, that they have to kind of burn to, to get on top of you and, and chase in that regard. So that's kind of cool. Um, I think another thing that we've done less so like once or twice and more because the bubble's around more than any coordination is um, pushing the bubble onto things, which you mentioned before. 
-hmm. so it allows you to like um unexpectedly tackle something perhaps because they don't see the five second warning that they get of a mjd moving the bubble on top of them um, so that's happened once or twice but also the other side of that is boosting bubbles away so if they bubble a gate i can sometimes jump my bifrost through the gate jump it back and then out of gate cloak mjd the bubble off the gate um, which allows for freedom of movement i suppose in and out of system um, depending on what we're trying to do at that time so if they're trying to slow us down it doesn't become a problem if we're trying to get away it allows us to walk to the gate if, if we want to um, all options that you have um, but yeah no bu bubbles are cool I, I like bubbles i've used them quite a bit in hunting and also for fleet stuff as well so yeah i don't know where you want to start with that hunting what how do you use them hunting so i'll admit um hunting i have not done with the saber in a little while because i favor being the respondee turning up with <laughs> useful e warships at this point um but when I used to play quite a bit, and this was more back in the Volta or Screw Yourself days, um, I would have Mystical, my main, in a Saber with Snakes. Um, A-type, my Corp Drive, Faction Extenders, Faction Scram, Snakes. And I would go out solo, and I'd go find something like a Rockwell or a Super to Tackle. And the reason I fit my Saber, like 300 mil worth of modules, even though it's expendable, by all means, uh, uh, comparable to other ships, is that when you pair it with Snakes, you can go like five and a half k second overheated, which means that you'll be able to burn past the target, drop a bubble on the edge so that they get tackled. You're out of that bubble within a few seconds and you're warping off. Um, the other kind of situation is when you land back on grid, as you were saying before, before Faye, um, when you land back on grid, you want to cloak. But if you might warp drive and cloak with overheat, then you'll be going about 2k a second and you can drop a bubble in the few seconds between hitting your cloak and the time that your ship actually disappears, where you cannot be locked. And if you do it right, then you'll be off the warp disruption probe when your cloak kicks in. So you'll also be cloaked at that time. So there's a lot of different interactions you could have with a faction snaked saber. I would not recommend it <laughs> for most people if you're not comfortable with snakes and bubbles, because it is a good way to die. But it's also practically impossible for a super or rock to kill you, um, even without that, really. But with it, it's definitely impossible. Do you remember the old, before the Sino change, there was the heretic, the, the cloaky combat probe, Sino heretic fit that a lot of hunters used? Yeah, yeah. They so... just walk on something and then drop a super or something. Yeah, yeah. It was, it was like, ugh. Yeah, so so that's something that the heretic, I believe, is the only one that could do that, could fit all that. Um, and it could barely fit all that. You didn't have enough CPU to for a third mid to prop mod and then either a shield extender or a scram. And then and like nothing else. You were all copros in the lows, I believe. It was pretty insane. But anyway, kind of beside the point because it's not a thing anymore. But uh yeah, I don't know. Like I feel like these ships just like booshing, just like Dictors, like there, there are ships and roles that people can do on alts, but like, like you guys said, we. I, I think it's interesting. I, I was thinking about it, like why we don't just use alts for that because sometimes we do, and we have them. Like I have a my saber alt is also my bifrost alt, max link skills. Like lots of other people in the corp have those, but since we've been filamenting, 
and we were using five mens, we were really trying to like min max and it was kind of fun. Like what, how, how, how should we build our gang? We only have five spots. And that's where like this flycatcher came in where like, well, let's try this. Let's try to have a dictor because it secures a lot of kills and, and it allows you like all the things you mentioned, you can secure kills, you can uh, defensive bubble to slow down people chasing you. You can deny warpins on grid and, and make people have to, you know, ping around and delay their time to grid. Um, which is really, really important. But um one sec. <laughs> Sorry, one sec. I mean I, I agree with you in the sense that these are all ships that can be multiboxed or rather flown on alts. But I think you don't really get the full usefulness out of the ship if you're not focusing on them. So with a saber and a fleet on an alt, you tackle something and you just need bubbles generally. So you Burn your saber past, you bubble, and then you warp it off and you forget about it for two minutes and then you come back. But if you main box it, then you can pimp it. You can fly snakes, you can do whatever you want because it's going to get your sole attention. And then you're able to do a lot of more interesting things. You can set up drags, you can bubble ahead of things if they're moving quickly, you can um, stop bubble so that people will wait with the stop bubbles and then drop them at the right time to separate fleets. There's a lot of different things you can do if you main box and pay attention to the target or rather to the ship that you're using. Um, and I think that's especially the case with bushes because with a bubble, you can drop and forget, right? You drop it, you've got two minutes where you don't have to think about your role if it's cloaked. People seem to fuck that up sometimes, so they die because um, they just forget they have it all instead of just forgetting that it's there um, and doesn't need to be used. Um, you can't really do that with bushes. Uh, if you plan to start bushing, then you need to focus on it because at that time you have to, I wouldn't say do like any mental calculations or maths. You just need to think and give it your sole attention for that for that time you're using it. Um, another comment on the hunting side, because I didn't mention it before, mm -hmm. but blopsing. Um, the 500 kilometer bubble range is really important, I think, with the introduction of citadels. Um, it wasn't originally like that with citadels. You could be dragged into sits and you'd just die, uh, which was a little bit trash. Uh, CCP fixed it because that was trash gameplay and people didn't appreciate it. Um, but with hunting and blopsing and things like that, a lot of the time the target that you're after may decide to warp out of the site to a friendly citadel or structure, and you can have a stop bubble, which prevents them from getting to safety um, oftentimes. Um, so... You know, there's a lot of use cases, I suppose, for dictors outside of just fleet settings where you're perhaps soloing around with it. I think the last time that I was Black Ops hunting, Tigger was doing the hunting and I was doing the, the whoring. But he, what he did was he didn't have, I think, like a hacker card to get into a, a Plex or a DED, whatever they're needed to get in. So he's like, well, let's try something. So he, he put a bubble up and cloaked a saber and then warped, you know, a, a what was it? I think it was just he warped the saber to the edge of the site on the outside. And it did the job of scaring the guy to warp to his citadel where he got caught in the bubble that that saber had just put out. And then we just went over there and sat on top of him and killed him. Yeah, so, exactly. So stuff like that is actually really, really cool where you can just kind of out, outthink and big brain somebody. Yeah, Blops died a death for a little bit. 
because of the T3 changes, so that you could be nullified and tanky at the same time and still do damage. Um, so you couldn't stop bubble because they just walked through it. And with the Citadel spam, it was also impossible to know which Citadel they were going to go to. So I think that really killed Blopsing, especially for me, but I know for a lot of other people, because it, it basically just turned into a waste of time. You look for that one ship out of 10 that isn't a T3. Um, and even then, there's no guarantee that you get them. Um, and but isn't Von Hull? Isn't Von Hull what? And isn't Von Hull baiting your Black Ops out? Um, that's so now. I think. Yeah, I don't think he does that that much anymore. Again, because I guess there's just less blobs to actually bait. Like who who wastes their time with it? Um, I think it's coming back a little bit. There's more opportunity to actually use blobs now. But again, it's very much uh, with the removal of bookmark trading um, via contracts, so you can't actually see where sites are and keep a track. Um, it's much harder to know where targets are before they're done with their sites. Um, but again. I think sabers are especially useful for blobs hunting because it gives you another like way of catching if you don't get them the first time. Absolutely. Well, we didn't spend as much time on on bubbles. Is there anything else we need to kind of cover on it? Um, I mean, it, it's you know, if if you have an alt, it's probably one of the best things to to train your alt into a saber. I mean, it like if you want to have if you are thinking about making an alt. If it was me, I would in this order. I would train uh, intercept like Minotaur Frig five interceptors, probably five, because uh, it's a it's a smaller one for T two ships, and then interdictors four, Minotaur destroyer four, then command ships four. Start training some link skills, and then finish off those last two tech two skills to five, and that's like a super solid small gang alt. You'll be able to do everything you want to. Um, Agree, 100%. Yeah, those three Minotaur ships are like alt, alt flying, uh, top, top tier in their, in their kind of like that alt, useful alt kind of class of, of, of pilot. So, yeah, I would agree. Um, I just wanted to point out that the man you said 100% agree doesn't have an alt. Um, I have many alts. Shut up. Uh huh. Uh huh. Um, I would say, yeah, I think (laughs) in terms of, it depends what you do as a group, but, I think that bubbles will be more applicable than MJD desis. Um but the links are useful. So I guess it depends on what types of ships you fly, who yeah. you fly against. Um, you may not even need bubbles to be honest. Small groups may not be able to kill caps, or but they can get a response from the people that they tackle. So it's a it's a coin toss. It's a do what you think is best. For sure. Uh, do you guys have anything else you want to add? Before we finish talking about bubbles, I think um, we got that covered on my end at least. Uh, one thing is just another use case example for people to get people thinking. Um, fleet fights, like the massive NOSEC ones, where you've got 150, 200, 300 people on each side. Um, Desis, tip, like command Desis and Sabres typically die quite a bit, right? Like you get locked, you get volleyed, whatever. Um, a really cool way that we use them in Scoot Yourself. Um, and I don't mind mentioning it because I doubt we're ever going to reform, is that you could fit like a Tenement flycatcher, for example. And I'm sure there's plenty of losses, so it's not really secret. Um, but a Tenement Desi is going to be really difficult to hit up at close range. So you get a proper warp in, you sit on top of the enemy fleet, you, you anchor on their anchor, essentially. And you basically just don't die. So you're able to constantly drop bubbles. So it's another way of using a 
rather flimsy ship in a way that won't get it immediately killed. Um, and I guess that's what I'm going to suggest to people is just think about the ship, know that it is flimsy, and then think about the ways that you cannot be flimsy or cannot be killed quickly. Um, and it's going to make you a lot better at both bubbling and also at bushing. And one final point on the bubbling is, like the bushing, don't just burn at the fucking fleet. Think about where you're going, <laughs> walk down to wrecks, get ahead of them if they're anchoring, but never burn more than 10 kilometers, 20 kilometers towards the target if they are in a fleet setting. If you're trying to bubble one guy, burn as much as you want because he's not going to kill you in two seconds. But burning towards the fleet or bubbling at zero on a cap is a surefire way to feed and also be useless because your bubble is going to be wasted after 10 seconds time, especially against caps which have smart bombs. If you bubble at zero of a smart bombing cap, then the bubble goes away and you're dead. So think about what you do and how you position. Again. Another thing I've seen people do, which is really dumb, is putting a bubble up when their ship's at zero velocity. Like they land and they're like, oh, I got to bubble these guys. And they just bubble up. And then they now, this is against subs. Now they have to try and burn out of that bubble. Like you're a fast destroyer. You should be using your speed to your advantage. Unless it's like a suicide thing. Like this is going to get us a juicy kill. But typically if you're on grid, like the way we're flying these flycatchers and stuff is you're, you're almost like drive-by bubbling in a way. You're bubbling, you're like moving around quickly so you can negate damage and, and use transversal and then dropping a bubble. So you're limiting the amount of time that you're in your own bubble. Dropping bubbles like between you and their fleet when they're chasing so that they then have to burn into a bubble. It's the weirdest thing. We didn't mention this, but but people have this, like it doesn't feel like you should burn through a bubble. So it's almost like, against certain people you can almost zone them if you will like it, 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 i guess it's like a, i don't know if you guys follow that term but like let's say in in like mobas where you can put down a large aoe and like people won't want to walk through it you can kind of like push them where you want them mm -hmm. to go by you know you can almost do that with bubbles i found against certain people they they just have this thing where they don't want to fly into it some people will just fly into them and die whatever but uh you know That's it, it's point. an interesting thought yeah it doesn't work against everyone because some people, you know, when they're confident, they're confident, they don't care. But yeah, um, I was just thinking because you were saying something about um, landing and dropping a bubble immediately, just to kind of add on to that point as a, as a final thing. Um, when I used to fly sabers with my main, I would have the faction micro drive and all, but in my cargo, I would have like five spare micro drivers in a mobile depot. Um, and essentially, the reason I would do that and, and a couple spare extenders as well is when you're bubbling, there's never a reason why you don't overheat your micro drive. Because you overheat that micro drive, you only have to burn like two or three seconds to get out of your own bubble, and then you warp off. And then you're free. You're, you're, you're alive, and you get to do it again in two minutes' time. Even against a fleet, like it's very rare that they point you. They will shoot you, but oftentimes you will not get pointed if you're fast enough. So always overheat. Always carry spare mods in your cargo because it only costs you an extra like five or ten mil. And don't be afraid to burn your mod mods out. Yeah. I mean, figure update the court bidding now. I, uh, if anyone from Furnace was on right now, they'd, they'd <laughs> give me shit for burning stuff off because like it was SMH the other day, like put a posted a clip of me because I was I was in my abyssal malediction and I from that it was from that bifrost actually that i i heated at in surprise and got the scram on and then still booshed away as i learned about that end of cycle 
thing. <laughs> so I had some heat damage and then like in the in the you know fight upcoming fight, I actually burnt out my micro warp drive, which we were only like four jumps out of Thera, so I just burned back. But he had this clip of me uh being like, yo, does anyone know where I can repair my shit around here? And they they were all razzing me. So I I need to carry spare MWDs, except it's tough to do that when it's a nicely rolled abyssal MWD. <laughs> well, yeah. A 5MN like compact is better than none. So yeah, I know. It's true. Yeah. Cool. Well, yeah, I really appreciate you coming on, Misty, and sharing some of your insight. I know it's uh, like some of these tips, like people, some people know them, but uh, a lot of you guys might have learned something, I hope. And uh, it's it's pretty cool, like sharing tips with other people, especially like your your skill you tip, right? Where that's something you guys used and, you know, it's, you know, keen people might have noticed that, but it's one of those things that gets people thinking and it kind of spreads the knowledge out. And some people don't think that's a good thing, but I think it's a good thing. Um, you know, gets people more into it and maybe they want to go do it themselves and activity is good. So, yeah, but don't worry. I'm, I'm one of the guys that doesn't like sharing too much. Um, but in this case, I mean, it doesn't really make a difference to me because it doesn't count to what I do. People just know more about it. So should be For good. Sure. Cool. Uh, well, yeah, let's just move into some shout outs. Uh, you guys go first because I got to pull up my shout out list. No worries. I'm going to actually just go right to Mystical. It's what, 3 a.m. your time now, Mystical? 2 a.m.? 3.30 now, yeah. 3.30, yeah. bang morning. This kid gets up to, to speak with us and share some knowledge. So honestly, big thank you for that. No worries. That's uh, all I got for, for my shout out today. That's all good. Um, my shout outs, I guess I didn't come prepared with any, but... um. I guess shout out to the to the group that I fly with, um, and also more specifically to the bunch of fucking dorks that I've <laughs> met and, and been on a holiday with and shit like that. So like Dexter, Warpound, Thevia, um, well less Thevia, I guess he wasn't there for the fucking holiday because he's a dork, but also Mark and Jordan, people like that, people that I play other games with. <laughs> uh, they're all good guys. Is Mark Mark Bridges? The Mark Bridges. Okay, so straight up, if there was anyone, like everyone likes to fanboy on Goran dudes, Mark is my fanboy. Like Mark's a fucking dork, dude. You should, you should meet the fucking bullinest ships ever. One day, one day maybe he'll come on and I'll just like gush over all the shit he flies. Cause like when you see someone flying like a a like a a she active shield Vindy and a fucking Proteus, like a rail prot in a nano gang and shit like that. All this stuff that people are like, that doesn't work. And he just hey. like flies them anyway. I love it. It's it's like I'll have you know, like Active Shield Vindy works just fine. I, I flew that in low sec for a little bit back in the factional warfare days and it would you'd, I didn't have a point on it. I just bump tackled because you have a 90% web. And exactly like, yeah, that's, that's died like five volleys because it does like five or six K volley. So it is. It's a good ship, but um, I would definitely recommend Mark for the show if uh, you get a chance. We, we just he, do a morning over coffee uh, recording, Feral, and I think we could get him on. Yeah, he nice. probably could. I mean, I don't know how how much he would talk because he's quite quiet compared to a lot of people in Corp. It's 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 weird because like obviously Goran's a like I would say ego Corp of sorts. I don't know if Casper would agree necessarily, but oh, it's a sure. bunch of egos in a can um, and mark is probably one of the less egotistical people oh, um, cool. in in corp he's very he's a very cool guy 
is very nice. Um, and yeah, if you ever want to crush your crush your memories of Mark, then just watch him play BF1 because he's trash. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, my shout out uh, is to uh, our Patreons. So again, I thank you guys quite a bit, and I'm going to do it again because. I don't know, like sometimes this is podcasts are a lot of work straight up and uh, my life is really busy. And and uh, sometimes I kind of second guess myself if if we should be doing it or if I should take a break. But uh, the fact that people put their, their real life money towards uh, helping this is is pretty inspiring. So Alexander, Binary Seder, Corey, Kenstatonius, January Valentine and Zalorb, thank you guys so much. And just got a couple more. So next month we'll add those guys in. And yeah, like like I said, it's it's pretty crazy. Um, I haven't updated you guys on on the financial portion of what I'm doing with your money yet, or in a, in a little while. But uh, I have fully repaid myself for the year of hosting, and we're doing the the Discord monthly thing for for me six, whatever the bot is called. I think it's me six. Anyway. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just coming into structuring some other stuff about about the the hosting to just do it monthly and and then uh, get some overflow and decide what to do with it, some overflow funds. So we can talk about stickers or mugs or merch or I don't know, something like that. So yeah, thank you guys so much. Super cool. Um, I'm not going to take a break. I'm going to just, we're going to keep going now that Casper's in. Uh, I hope you guys yeah. have enjoyed. I don't know, Casper, like, let's just, let's just cut it on right on the air. How have you liked this so far? Because I've you were kind of filling in for blood and yeah, you're having a good time. So far, you know, I got to, you know, just hang out with my bro, Misty. In the previous one, I got to relinquish some old stories with some OG hats. So, you know, I like just introduce, getting introduced to people and kind of learning their story as much as the next guy. So uh, I'm really enjoying it and looking forward to some new faces we can get on here too. Yeah. I know some people message me and they're like, Casper was really quiet that episode. And I was like, well, yeah, well, I, I was I was even more quiet than I normally am. Like Hyde and Prom, like those dudes, they like to talk. And we didn't even have to start much conversation. They just like it was it it just went. It just poured out and we had to stop it because it went so long. Like it was, was it was a listener the whole cool. episode having a good time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Cool. So I'm glad you like it. And we're, we're just gonna carry on, guys. We're gonna keep going. We're almost 30 deep, and that's pretty cool. Um there's a lot of podcasts that I've listened to in the past that haven't made it to 30. So uh, it, it's pretty neat that we're, we're almost there. So yeah, I guess I'm excited. 30 more. Yeah. Right. Not like declarations of war. They're about to hit 200. <laughs> Fuck. If you, if you don't listen to that podcast, go, uh, go give them some love. Cause man, it's a long run. Holy crap. So guys, that's the show. Uh, just remember it's not the size of your gang. It's how you use it. <laughs>